When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Waiting, do you take this industry? To be your chosen profession. With this shit, I be dread. How are you, are you, Mr. Ting? Oh, man. Um. That's how I want to be addressed. Man, man, woman. Yes, man, woman. Like, you ever just, like, just get into... You know, we have a category at the end of our Worst of show. I never want to watch wrestling again. I was there at 10.50 thinking, well, at least this is only 10 more minutes. And then 10 minutes were up, and I was privy to another 10 minutes of this. I wish, like, podcasts came with, like, heart rate monitors because I think people would be able to sense exactly how I feel coming right off of watching this this raw. Uh, you, know, you know what I did this weekend, Way? I had a relatively quiet couple of days, and you know what was on? There was a marathon of The Godfather, okay? And I've never fully seen all the movies. I've seen clips here and there, but this is a franchise I've never seen. So this weekend, I watched the first two Godfathers, okay? That, I watched two of the greatest movies of all time, and... That took me into this segment with this writing, with this plot. And by the end of it, there were several, multiple scenes in The Godfather, uh, which is what I felt like going through during this segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's not even try to be cute. I don't give a shit anymore. Let's just get this over with so that um, I can pack my bags. I can pack my my brain and my memories of uh, everything uh, over the course of the last three hours into just a suitcase that I can lock away forever. Um, and uh, you know, let's look. Wait, are you are you coming back from year. Japan? Are you are you coming back? No, I, I'm already gone. I'm worried. I'm worried. This might be it for you. <laughs> permanently dude i don't know what it is maybe like it's a combination of not having that much sleep i've been trying to knock my schedule out so like i don't suffer from jet lag early on so i didn't get that much sleep today um maybe a combination of like doing all the work that we have to do to prepare to leave for tomorrow and just this show honestly um i i want to scream we're gonna do a lot of screaming on this show so prepare I, I want to put a smile on your face. Okay. Go. Go ahead. I don't know I don't know if it's good enough. I don't know if it'll work. Go ahead. But tell me tell me if the title was it's at least funny enough for you. Okay. Let me load this up. No, I feel you're too down. I don't think this will pick you up enough. I don't think my weight is that high tonight. It's really good. It's really good. Thanks. It's nice. Let's just get into our schedule this week, 
everybody. Hey, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna store.postwrestling.com. Uh, one more day left. That's all I want to say for uh, the 25 percent off sale. <laughs> get a all shirt. Right, don't get a shirt. Way. Whatever. Who cares? Guys, come on. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get way through this one. This coming week. This is one of the biggest weeks in our history. Literally the furthest that Wei and I have ever traveled to cover professional wrestling. Uh, it was my first trip to Japan. I'm dreading this flight uh, where I'm going to be on a plane for. I like will take a 16 I will hours. take a 30 hour flight over having sat through that this edition of Raw. So I, I'm well prepared, John. This flight will be a a breeze. It'll be like it'll be like getting a massage compared to sitting through this. So you'll be fine. Well, well, I am. Uh, when I land. I'm going to be the happiest person in the world when I land and get off that airplane. But once we arrive there, folks, that is when all the insane coverage is going to begin. But before we take off Tuesday, our best of 2019 show will be dropping. I can promise you that there will be no semblance of tonight's show reflected in that best of show that is going to be dropping for cafe members only on Tuesday. Now, if you are not a cafe member, do not fret because it will be out Thursday for everybody. So if you want to get a, a two day jump, uh, post wrestling cafe members, uh, can grab it on Tuesday. Uh, this week, it is a great week to sign up because we're going to be doing many, many bonus shows. We are going to be doing, uh, Shows after both Wrestle Kingdom cards, and those will be available on the cafe. I'm hoping we can do a show this Friday because we're going to be going to a couple other shows. I'm going to an All Japan show. Way and I will be at a Stardom show, a Noah show. So hopefully we will have uh, – well, we will definitely have reviews of all those shows. Just a matter of uh, what shows they all land in. In our place, Brain and Davey are going to be reviewing Dynamite on New Year's night, on Wednesday night on the the main feed, Correct. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, so Brandon Davey will be subbing in, uh, recapping Dynamite, and then hey, hey yeah. those guys do uh, Dynamite reviews every single week, actually, on uh, their Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/upnext. So this week they they were kind enough to give their usual patron exclusive of reviews up for us because we'll be away. So we thank Brandon and Davey, and we encourage you guys to take this opportunity to sample uh, their their review of Dynamite. Yes, and they'll be joining us on both the best of and worst of shows. So if you're a patron of either patreon.com slash upnext or the Post Wrestling Cafe, either one, you will get the best of and worst of shows on Tuesday. Actually, so best if of- you're, most people listening to this will already have it in their feeds. Uh, it, it, it went up at 6 a.m. So, yeah. Well, there's some crazies that listen to this the second it drops. So. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, I'm accounting for for all different times, but there you go. Tuesday, uh, that will be out. So uh, look forward to that. If you are thinking of joining the Post Wrestling Cafe, again, there will be lots of shows this week. I would encourage you to wait till January 1st so you don't get billed for this month. You will get billed. Uh, you might as well sign up on the 1st, and that will give you access to all the Wrestle Kingdom shows, whatever other bonus shows we do from Japan over the next two weeks. Uh, we'll be doing plenty while we're over there. So tune into that. Did I miss anything? Thunderstruck on Sunday. WH is going to be uh, all over our Wrestle Kingdom shows. He'll also have a Thunderstruck out on Sunday, reviewing Jushin Thunder Liger versus Owen Hart from 1991 with Mavs Gillis, a veteran from Cruel Summer. He will be back with WH Park. So I look forward to listening to that. All of the shows can be found at postwrestling.com. Yeah, I just wanted to say it's a great time to go back and re-listen to uh, the 10 previous editions of Thunderstruck that WH has released because we are, of course, just days away from Jushin Lager's retirement. So if you are if you want to get caught up on some of the highlights of his career, he's done 10 great episodes 
with various people in the industry talking about their favorite Liger matches from all across his career. And most of the, uh, the show descriptions will have uh, ways to watch those matches in there. So if you want, you know, just to take some time to see what all the fuss is about, especially as it pertains to some of his uh, opponents that are coming up and joining him uh, on uh, January 4th in in the first of two retirement matches, you can check that out. Yes, and if you want the full schedule, uh, go up to the website. It's going to be a bit of a different release schedule over the next few weeks, but we're going to be having plenty of shows dropping, so there will be no no absence of shows, and we've got some really cool stuff uh, coming up over the next uh, few weeks, so do hope you check all of that stuff out. Over to a few news items. There isn't a, a whole lot to uh, break down here. AEW announced on Monday that Arn Anderson will be the new... Uh, what is the term? The the personal advisor to Cody Rhodes. So after 19 years, Arn Anderson is going to have a regular on-screen role with a wrestling company, which is mind-boggling that this man has been behind the scenes for the better part of two decades. But he will uh, be featured alongside Cody. Do you like this pairing? It's another one of those kind of strange ones, to be honest, because um, much like I think Tully Blanchard, you know, being paired with Sean Spears. I feel like there there might be people better to pair somebody like a Tully Blanchard with um, than Sean Spears. And I would say this is even more the case with Cody, who I think, uh, as we talk about best of, will be on many people's list for best promo in the industry. So uh, it remains to be seen, I think, how they will employ Arn Anderson. Certainly, you know, I can't see him. Um, he's not going to be speaking for Cody at all, uh, but. I, I guess I am interested to see what sort of interaction the two have. Um, so what? Is he not a manager? Or is he... Like, this is a regular role. He'll be ringside with Cody every single match. Is this it? That's that's what it sounds like. Okay. I mean, it's interesting. And I'm sure, you know, they have uh, probably a lot of story to to, to tell with his, him interacting with, with Cody ringside. So hopefully they have something good planned. And th- this isn't just, you know, pa- pairing... Um, Dusty Rhodes kid with Arn Anderson, like whatever, you know, whatever, I guess, since that makes in and of itself, um, hopefully. I'm, I'm sure there's a concerted reason uh, for this pairing. If it's long-term, if it's short-term, Arn gets paired with somebody else. I'm just really glad that Arn's going to have a regular role. I think this guy, uh, is able to talk circles around the majority of the people, uh, that do have full-time positions talking. So I think he's a great addition in terms of just, just having a great promo and we'll see like the, it, a babyface manager that can be a tough role to be in. And for that reason, maybe it's short term and that it's going to be another obstacle for Cody. If Arn aligns with someone else down the road, or if they just keep this as this interesting pairing of, you know, two great promos that are together. And it's just a, like a second that Cody has with them. But uh, so that that was made official. Uh, Progress as well held their Chapter 100 card, their unboxing event uh, Monday afternoon, uh, which featured the farewell for Jim Smallman. So they they held their show today at the Electric Ballroom. We do have a report up on the site from Steve Harris, who attended the show live. And after 100 shows, Jim Smallman, he is leaving the company that he helped launch and is going to be dedicating all of his time to the NXT UK project. And I know the British Wrestling Experience have covered, you know, the, the state of progress on a consistent basis. And I think 2020 will be one of those interesting years. Is this just a pivot um, for progress or is there 
going to be kind of a crossroads for this company of where where they go, where they fit into the WWE hierarchy of promotions that they have a very, very clear relationship with. Uh, what will the future of, pro- of progress be where I-, I think to a lot of fans, especially when they've come over here, it is still a strong brand name. Uh, yeah, and and I think I've noticed that slowly, John. You've you've went from the, um, I guess uh, I I try to catch myself for, to uh, progress, progress now. So so it was there. A re- is is, is there progress a not the, pro- the uh? It's it's Martin Bushby in my head that I can hear just uh shaking his head. So here's at my, uh, so does Martin say progress or progress? I thought he said progress because James he says progress. So well, I I give up. I don't know. I think either one works. So I'm yeah, happy 100 shows. Progressive. Oh, very good. We always say progress. That's no, we that's my we say the word progress as progress. But when we're when talking about the promotion, we've said progress. Correct. Okay. Well, well who I'm cares? It, it is whatever <laughs> you want it to be. Pregress. You know, however you want to say it. Just <laughs> pregress. Okay. Whatever. Let us digress. Um, but I, I guess, you know, the, the number one question I have is within the next few months, is progress going to show up on the WWE network? Sure. I mean, you know, it's. And it's, is there a redundancy with NXT UK? Like well, it is the same people that are essentially, you know, responsible for both. Is there a redundancy? It's that I think it's the same thing, you know, my, my same opinion as, as it relates to like something like Evolve being on the network. How many people are really going to care at, at this point in time when I think any everybody's nobody's even watching to NXT UK or two hundred five live? So is there that much demand for more wrestling? Uh, I haven't necessarily heard that much buzz around progress or progress this year. Uh, so is there even that that much demand? It, it's a great question. On a worldwide level, it's it's minimal. You're satisfying a a certain fan base, but not a gigantic one. I would say. But it's, yeah, it, w- it will be interesting to see what role they play, especially in that part of the world in, in 2020. And sticking with the uh, UK and Ireland, what a finish tonight, Way. After 30 years, the WWE wrapped up on Sky Sports with that segment tonight, and they will begin their relationship with BT Sport after all these years. That's how Sky Sports got their farewell, farewell tonight. Well, if I'm Sky Sports, I'm... I'm probably celebrating. What a run we had! Thirty years. <laughs> like, glad to glad that's over. God. So, um, I'm I'm sure those uh those subjects will be uh be covered on the next uh British Wrestling Experience, which I encourage everybody to check out, as well as all of their stops on the Christmas show that we put out last week with Jamesy, Martin, Benno. Always great to hear from them, and a fantastic year end show that they did with the Grapple Crew. That is right. Yep. A lot of great shows up on the feed thus far. So uh, if you want to do anything but listen to us talk about this, you can listen to anything else. What are you looking forward to this week? Um, Looking forward to Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, that'll be great. I'm looking forward to eating Japanese food. I'm looking forward to... Um, uh, you know, maybe, um, let me think about it. Um, 
Um, What's like the one match that's re- that you you really have a lot of focus on that you're really excited for? One match. Um, I don't. Oh, I guess Hiromu and, and Osprey. That probably yeah. is is the match I'm I'm looking forward to the most of of anything on on either Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, but beyond that, it's just more so the trip, honestly. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. I am I'm more excited to be going to like Corkun Hall. And, and watching a show there than I am the Tokyo yeah. Dome. The Tokyo Dome is going to be fun. It's going to be a cool atmosphere. I wonder if I'm going to feel that by the end of the second night. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be long, especially if you're going to go to the Noah show. We're going to the Noah show right before the second night of the Tokyo Dome. So that'll be a very long day. We'll also be recording podcasts. So it'll be a, it'll be a very long day for, yes, for all of us. And, and TGIF on the fourth. Yeah, that's right. Before so Wrestle Kingdom. If you're going to be in uh, 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 Tokyo around that time, January the 4th, we're going to be meeting up with a bunch of people, a bunch of our listeners at TGIF. Come and meet WH Park, the biggest celebrity in the post-wrestling family these days. So uh, what time? Oh, WH will kill me if I get the time wrong. I want to say 1130. Is that actually at, the time? At WH Park and the number nine. Itinerary. You know, WH Park is just like we've talked to him about him a lot lately, but I think it, it's deserved because I'm just trying He's to the glue. The guy like has an itinerary for us. And if I could spell itinerary properly, I will uh, be able to actually bring it up. Um, OK, he's got a tentative itinerary, and I believe we're going to meet outside TGIF at like 11, 1130 on January the 4th. OK, so there you go. Um, we will be there. Very limited seating. I, I don't even know if there will be room left at this point. Uh, so we're doing that along with the, uh, the the crew from the Super J cast, who I'm looking forward to meeting as well. And many of you. So based on my timeline, there are a lot of people that are heading to Japan. So I hope to run into some of you. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'll, uh, I'll know more people. Okay, whatever. Let's just get this uh, review going. I don't have time for this bullshit small talk. Oh, wow. Just uh, let, let's get to it. Monday's episode of Raw, the last Raw of the decade. This was something to note multiple times throughout the show. Uh, from the Hartford XL Center, we had our final Raw of the year. Vic Joseph and Jerry Lawler alone. So not going with the three-man booth, just the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Did you, um, you know, obviously I think Samojo was missed, but I, I, I wasn't upset. You know, I didn't. I didn't hate the team tonight. I thought actually Lawler felt like a pretty reserved version of himself, um, especially considering the the closing segment. Oh, that was his forte. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Making Did jokes you, about think? his his failed marriages, making jokes about um, Liv Morgan. I mean, he was he was in his element. It was 1999 for 20 minutes for Jerry Lawler. Hmm. So Kevin Owens comes out at the beginning, and we recap last week's closing angle in the attack on Joe, and he's going to just keep getting beaten up, but eventually he's going to take out Seth Rollins and AOP, and his biggest problem is that they are affecting people he respects, men like Rey Mysterio. And Rollins and AOP walk out, and Rollins says he is sacrificing himself for the greater good to be the Messiah and take this industry into the next decade and it leads to Owens running onto the ramp, getting attacked by AOP. They fight into the ring, and then Samoa Joe runs out, and he takes off, I think it was Razor's head with his boot, and then goes after Rollins, 
Gets a coquina clutch applied, but AOP return attacking Joe. Owens is in with shots with a chair, and then security is in to separate them. And th- this threw me because my my head just naturally goes to these as um, the uh, Baron Creepers. Corbin Oompa Loompas. No, the uh, the the Baron's personal security. And then I had right. to remember, oh, these are these are uh, call it down the middle security guards. They're not in the bag for anybody. I was I I had that same reaction because Corbin's like people just they're dressed the same way. It's just like black clothes, bad so, tattoos, bad yes. tattoos. Yeah. So um, maybe they're the same. Maybe they are the same people. And then everyone's on the floor. So Kevin Owens climbs to the top. Somersault off the top. Everyone goes nuts. CM Punk hated this spot. He said to retire it, uh, but it got a really big reaction with this crowd. So you know what? Tough. That was yeah. our opening segment. You know, I thought Samoa Joe's return came across really well, came out here looking like a badass. This was like, you know, the first time we really have seen him as a baby face and they built up a big baby face reaction for him to to re-debut. And I thought it worked out well. I Man, did you see Akam knee Joe in the head? Like when uh, Joe was on the ground, like, you know. Oh, did he really drill him? Man, it looked rough. But I mean, Ooh. I'm sure I'm sure it's OK. And I'm sure those boys probably um, don't mind hitting each other a little bit more realistically. But um, big brawl here. Uh, great reaction for Joe. B- good reaction for Owens. Yeah, this was fun. What did you think of it? I, I like the opening segment. I thought the you have two really strong baby faces and a third with Rey Mysterio at the moment. And man, this, this company has been starving for baby faces. And it feels like you have a really good uh, trio uh, with, the, with the mix of those three where everyone expects Rey to be interjected into this as well yes so i like the segment got over with the crowd um which was a positive uh owens and joe were in the locker room charlie says security is on their way and joe says that rollins uh chose for him to get involved and rollins will never be safe again and says owens will never stand alone again owens says i've known a lot of bad people but no one as bad as you and i'm glad i have you by my side and then security shows up and they say, it's cool. We have seven days to get ready for what we're going to do next week. And Joe warns one of the security guards, do not touch me. And then flung some sweat onto this piece of garbage. And he just walks off as Owens wishes him a happy new year. And that was it. Usually when they do segments like these, like it, 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 it's meant to telegraph that they, they're going to show up later. But especially when you did it with the heels in like the next segment, I thought for sure these guys were coming back. But no, this was they left all of these these five men all left the building and just took off. Yeah, they were telling the truth. It's like, hey, I'm leaving. And they left. So I'm going uh, home. It's New Year's tomorrow. I'm done. We can do this next week. We have plenty of Raws. They were certainly the smarter ones. um, Yeah. Compared to all of us. But it was funny because I had the same reaction that it's like it was so much like, oh, OK, they're definitely coming back. Everyone's you're teasing that they're going to return. But there, there was no return for these guys. That was it. But I guess every like, wrestler else? should just tell us when they're about to leave the building. I think we should. Well, have I hope for their sake they legit got to leave. I hope they didn't have to stick around for three hours. I hope so either. I mean, head home. Yeah, for sure. Um, or just anywhere else. Anywhere but here for the closing segment. Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy rematch from TLC. It began with a Black being sent to the floor with a Rana, and then Murphy sits down cross-legged as he was exhibiting mind games. 
Then Black would toss him to the floor and he would sit down. So we had a battle of the minds. And Lawler notes how evenly matched these two are. They're almost clones of one another. And then we get this exchange of kicks. Black scales up the turnbuckle and just kicks him uh, on the turnbuckle. And then the superplex gets avoided. Murphy yanks out Black's leg and he falls down face first onto the post. That sets up the commercial. We come back. Push kick from Black sending Murphy into the post from the edge. Then moonsaults off of the turnbuckle. And Black is just lighting him up with these leg kicks. This guy is the best kicks in the entire company. Uh, Murphy's uh, New Year's resolution, Lawler says, is to leave no door unknocked. What a resolution. Murphy to is limp on every door he sees. Yeah, he's, uh, he's going to be a busy man. Yeah, that's... Uh, what was that game kids would play? Nicky Nicky Nine Doors? Yes, he's going to do that with every door that he sees. I think he's going to make a lot of enemies. You know, a lot of people are really going to be upset at, at this random, you know, ginger band. Uh, if you're not doors. expecting company and you get a knock on your door, like what an aggravation. Mm, that's grounds for arrest, I would say, in some places. Oh, it's it's not favor. It's not kind. Uh, usually, actually, it happened a few months ago when we were having the election and I got a knock on my door and I was there and I just stood still because I knew they wouldn't be able to see me, but I didn't want to move anywhere because there were other windows that I just stayed away from. And I had to wait like two Somebody minutes for this knocked person on to your give door up. and you were afraid that they were going to look into your window. Well, I was in, I was in like the living room area and the windows were closed, but if I walked anywhere, I didn't want them to see through the door where the window is that I'm home. You so just, I just had to stand you, there. Next time you just open your door and tell those people to just. I don't want to open it because then he's got me. You can open oh, the just, door and then shut it. It's God, your it's house. Like, why? 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 You, why, why, why do I have to go some, through that? Why are you exercise? letting somebody hold you prisoner in your own home so that you see? Have to I feel opening still. the door. I'm imprisoning myself because now I have to engage with this person and explain why I don't want to talk John, to them while I'm talking to them. By you having to freeze, you've already lost. You're trapped. Yeah. I didn't have to say a word. Okay. So anyway, his is, time. He probably could have made a few more, more knocks, and I wasted his time. Probably this, lost the election by a few votes. This is the type of you know um, misery I think Buddy Murphy is is set to inflict on the the general public this evening. <laughs> well, no wonder Alistair's so pissed. This is how I feel sometimes. Murphy is selling the kicks very well, uh, and then Murphy drop kicks him into the buckle, but he uses the rope for leverage, gets caught by John Cohen, and Murphy hits a tope con hero, and he, like, glazes over the shoulders of Aleister Black. Like, he totally cleared this guy. This would have been a field goal if he was a football. Well, sometimes that hurts, too, you know? It's, like, more so the shock. Like, if a <laughs> bullet were to graze your head, you'd be pretty shaken. Because so. yep. you wouldn't just yeah. recover like nothing happened. Yeah. Well, Murphy was uh, after connecting with uh, the hair on his back. Um, they returned to the ring where the guy's selling his knee and he comes off the top with a meteora. But nonetheless, he's selling his knee, hits a sit out power bomb for a two count. The Kamagoye, which still has no name, gets cu- gets stopped. And then spinning elbow. They trade more strikes. Black with a brain buster. They're both down. The audience starts standing and applauding the two. And then the black mask gets ducked. Murphy's Law is countered. And then finally, Black hits the black mask, lifts him with his boot, and hits a second one. Both look tremendous. 15 minutes, 31 seconds. A really excellent match between these two with Aleister Black getting the solid win. And I would say uh, Murphy looking very good, too, as well. 
Oh, he looked great. I thought they, I mean, listen, both guys were expected to deliver a very hot match and they absolutely did. Um, I feel like I say this after every time I see a good Raw match, but I thought this was the best match on Raw in a very long time. Um, you know, it, 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 and especially I think in this case, it feels pretty unusual these days on Raw for like two relative unknowns to gain the crowd's attention using very little story, you know, and, and just going out there with the pro- on the promise of having a really good match and delivering. And I thought these guys did. There's, it really helps, of course, that their style is so fan-friendly. You know, it's not like... It's not as you know a Zack Saber Junior match as much as much as I love those. Um, you kind of have to invest yourself in it. This is not. You don't even have to be a wrestling fan. I think you'd be able to appreciate how hard hitting this was, the great athletic coordination, and just the excitement of like this this incredible athleticism. So, crowds' attention I thought was pretty strong for it, and I hope it leads to more chances for you know guys at this level of the roster without much story to just simply try to get over with great wrestling matches. Yeah, I thought, obviously, Aleister Black is prime for big things. I hope that Buddy Murphy as well gains something out of this as well. Well, he's gained a new gimmick. He's knocking on every door Well, this year. He's, uh, he's got a new assignment. He's just going to just go, just knock on every door, and hopefully he finds an opponent. So we'll see what happens next with him. Rollins is backstage with AOP. They state, no one is removing us, but... They have been asked politely to leave. Rollins says Raw would get canceled without him. Uh, wait till later. The security walks in and they decide to leave voluntarily. And this was the least confrontational escorting out of an arena you have seen on a wrestling show. And that's it. They left. They were done. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was about as straightforward as it could be. Lana was approached by Eric Rowan. And he was upset he was not invited to the wedding. And either no one was invited to the wedding or everyone was and just declined because no one showed up for this thing. And he says that uh, Lana just screams like a maniac here. Um, Or sorry, it was Rowan saying they don't care as he looks into his his weird crate. And then he's the one that that screams. No, her screaming was was to come. um, She was saving her voice. Yeah, she couldn't blow out her voice here. I will say this, okay? Everyone knows these wedding segments always do well, and they did a very good job of hitting you over the head. There were like 85 cutaways of Lana throughout this show just leading up to this wedding segment. They were not going to make anyone forget that this wedding was happening in the third hour. Yes, yes, they should be celebrated. And if you tuned in, you will not forget that wedding occurred on this show. So then they say, breaking news, Randy Orton was hurt last night, and we will hear from him later tonight to address his future. Eric Rowan murdered a guy named Kip Stevens, who had a Green Lantern tattoo. Uh, this guy ran away, then he got caught, Iron Claw, in a minute 46. You know, like, for me, the, the appeal of these matches is to see what these, like, random jobbers have to offer. I think they've been really good showcases for some of them. Just in, in in not not so much their wrestling, but just to see as a comedic performance how they do. And I feel like this Kip had like like what little I saw, I thought it was pretty funny. It was like he's almost like Mr. Bean if he was a wrestler. But you know, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get more because this was just ended up being a bit of a just a typical beatdown. You know, Rowan does these tremendously well, great intensity as always. But I found the crowd pretty quiet for this one. So it's telling me that maybe there there are one too many weeks of this. They 
they sh- showed Lana uh, rubbing her legs and her chest for a long enough period that you thought there was going to be a one nine hundred number that showed up on the screen. Yeah, right. Um, do those even exist anymore? Uh, I've not. I've not seen an ad for any anything like that ever. Like, who would waste their money it was on such that? a big industry? I would have to imagine, like, there's still people that are, are calling 1-900 numbers. There's, I guarantee you, if there is, like, a 1-900, like, like phone sex thing, it's not going to be dialed by anybody under the age of 18, you know? You're probably talking, like, 70-year-olds that are the only people, you know, who aren't, who are still using the phone for porn. I mean, that's not an industry that you can say has been replaced by the internet. Like that's still performing uh, a, a act that uh, y- y- uh, there's people that want to be on the phone with somebody. People, You're not going to get that by just looking on the internet. What are you talking about? You've not heard of like ch- chat roulette or whatever, like all this, all this webcam Listen, shit. There, there, there's out. a generation of people who are not going down that rabbit hole. Well, that's what I mean. That's why, you know, like a phone sex type of thing probably only appeals to like a senior citizen by this point. You know, somebody who's not on the internet. So, um, so there's no, what I'm trying to say is there's no need to get your parents permission. Cause these people are probably grandparents themselves. I would imagine people were not getting their parents permission. Can you imagine someone going to get their parents permission <laughs> and being honest True. about what they're doing? Maybe I'm thinking of like, uh, the, the wrestling hotlines where they, they ask you to get your <laughs> kids, get your parents permission. <laughs> Paul is waiting on line three. <laughs> yeah. I guess they weren't really advertising kids. <laughs> To get their parents' permission for the for the phone. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think that's how it worked. <laughs> so, we are going to get the top matches of 2019 on WWE Backstage this week. Last week <laughs> on Christmas Eve, dude, Backstage did a huge number. So I'm wondering what? what it's going to draw on New Year's Eve. They're going against uh, Steve Harvey, but uh, who knows? I think they maybe found, this is the key. I think they found their market. They should only do shows. On like holidays, that that could be the key. Maybe like what's it, what's your theory of eleven p.m. on Christmas Eve? Are there that many people that are wrestling fans that said, "Ah, oh, why not? I'm going to flip this on." Um, I don't know. Maybe by that point, like you've you've hung up with your family so much, you're sick of them, and you just need to put the TV on to so that you don't have to talk to to your family anymore. Like to put this into perspective, since backstage went weekly, okay, on November fifth, this was their second highest number on Christmas Eve. The only bigger one was Punk's first show. That didn't do all that much bigger than this. Something, something I guess I've learned this year, John, is that I know fuck all about these ratings and what they mean. Like these numbers are so varied all the time, and I'm trying. Like it's kind of like it's weird that it's my job now to try to make some meaning out of this stuff. I have no idea. What, what's going on? Well, the UFC had this on New Year's on Christmas Eve a few years ago when they put their fights on on Fox, their best fights, and it did an enormous number. So, you know, Christmas Eve, it may it didn't work for Raw last year, but for UFC and backstage, that's man, put that up against Rudolph. Then we had Charlotte Flair come out, and she is entering the women's Royal Rumble match, and she knows. Everyone knew she would be entering the Rumble. So why state the obvious? She says she's a 10-time women's champion. She has headlined WrestleMania, the first woman to headline a pay-per-view. She's a hard worker. She's consistent, arguably the greatest of all time. 
Lawler mentions, don't forget Humble. And she is the first woman of the decade to announce she's in the Rumble, then clarifies she's the first male or female of the decade to announce she's in the Rumble. You know, this is not, this goes even beyond, I think, the, the usual debate that, that we have about when the decade actually starts. Okay, I guarantee you it does not start on December 30th, 2019. You can't even make the argument that in any time zone in the world, it's already the new year. Because it's not. It's like, no. at best, it's what, 9 p.m.? On December 30th, like in Japan. Correct. So um, I, maybe her she got her calendar off, you know, maybe like her watch or her iPhone is set to like a wrong date and she she's just been living a day ahead. Maybe she thinks Raw is on Tuesdays or something. God, they must have thought she was nuts when she was out in like an, a, a barren Times Square on Saturday night and counting down at midnight. And they're all just <laughs> like, what is wrong with this woman? Yeah, it must have been really lonely. She's living in the future. Well, maybe her and Andrade. Maybe it was just the two of them having like yeah. a solo party. Maybe they stayed in. That's probably what they did. And so they so. were counting down. Um, and they thought today was the new year. But yeah, this sounded kind of silly. It was. A, I, I was trying to make sense of this. It was. It was getting very confusing. She is sick of calling herself the queen of WWE and wants to show them and makes an open challenge which is answered by Natalia, a very angry Natalia. She was, yeah. She was probably upset about the inaccurate date, inaccurate naming of the new decade. You know, maybe Natalia is just a real stickler for accurate time. Or maybe she's pissed that she didn't get to be the first man or woman of the previous or upcoming decade to announce that she's in the Rumble. Well, she still has a chance because the decade's not here yet. You're right, because... Charlotte would not be the first, so it's that's up for grabs. What yeah. what a what a title to be able to have bestowed upon you. You are the first person to announce that you're in the Rumble this decade. You remember who was the first person in the 2010s to enter the Rumble that year? I think that'll be a fact they'll bring up in the Hall of Fame uh, video package. Man, it's you know, like in the obituary. I I feel it would say first to announce. Their entry into the Royal Rumble. Imagine being on like a a house league softball team, and like Jimmy on third base comes over to you during the during the uh, you're at you're at bat and mentions, "Yeah, I was I was the first one to sign up for the team." Cool, Jimmy. That's awesome. (laughs) You've struck out three times. You better pull it together, fuckface. I'm going back to my childhood. That's pretty rough. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's how kids talked in baseball. Some of them are awful. Charlotte and Natalia. Natalia runs across her back. This is why I had a foul mouth, because I heard Natalia here, as she just yells, it's so quiet, and this comes out of nowhere. She just yells at Charlotte, I'm a bigger bitch than you, and then proceeds to attack her, and it just seemed so out of nowhere. But they were kind of... I, I didn't read this as a heel natty. They were just seeming to want to make her more... Uh, aggressive. Aggressive, yeah. Aggressive was the word that Vic Joseph and Lawler kept going with. Natalia would go with bitch, but I think the announcers were trying to be polite. Um, Natty ran into the corner, missed, and then Charlotte applied this Boston Crab on the turnbuckle as Natty then flings to the floor. Then R-Truth runs down and is chased by Shelton Benjamin, Eric Young, and No Way Jose. And this featured Eric Young trying to run through the row, uh, run through the ring and being booted 
by Charlotte Flair as they went to the commercial. That was the setup. And my question was, where's Akira Tozawa? Oh, yeah. We spent all that time, and he's not even part of this. Well, I mean, I'm actually thankful he wasn't, because I think anybody who was seen here as a part of this, like, 24-7 train, like, it's, it's almost like being caught in, like, you know, at the strip club by, like, you know, somebody that you really don't want to to see you walking out of the strip club. Like, it's or embarrassing. Or your phone bill comes and there's all these 1-900 numbers on them. Exactly. And your roommate starts calling them to see who, who why do we have all these charges on our, our, our combined phone bill? Yeah, that would be pretty bad. So I, I'm, I'm happy that Tazawa was not a part of this. Hopefully they still maintain that connection in a more serious manner next year. But we, but I obviously I don't have any hopes for it. Like this twenty four seven thing is just, it's there's zero creativity attached to it. It's just at this point an excuse to for them to insert a commercial break in there. Um, about you like what they, when they run around the ring, they're running so much that I know, like Shelton's at the end of the line, yeah. but our truth is like close behind him. And Shelton's still running in the other direction when the champion is a foot behind you. Well, they're idiots. I think that's the joke. You know, you're so stupid. You can't possibly compete for any other WWE championship. You know, you basically get the special ed class of wrestling titles. Should have like that cartoon music that plays on the speakers when they run out for the So, you know, it's the 24 seven segment. Um, like a new Jack type of thing, but like, you know, dumber, like, uh, like a, like a kid show cartoon kid show. Okay. Yeah. Well, it would fit right in. There's a flurry of strikes. Flair then kicks away at Natalia's arm, hits her with a spear. And then Natalia goes to put her shoulder up. And this felt like a muscle twitch more so than a shoulder coming up, but it was a two count. Another sharpshooter gets countered. Natalia gets hit with the natural selection, although she seemed very low to the canvas. So Vic pointed out that she didn't get all of it. And then Charlotte goes for the moonsault, lands on her feet, goes for the figure four. That's turned into a small package. Flair hits another boot. The figure eight is applied. Natty fights it, but then finally taps 14 minutes and 31 seconds. This one goes and Charlotte wins and is going to the Royal Rumble. I, I like the match. I really did enjoy Natalia's increased aggression. I, I guess I kind of wish there was more of a reason for it, you know, because I don't think there's like, what was the last we even saw of Natalia that would have spurred this on? Um, not with Charlotte. Um, I what, mean, what did she do last? Natalia? Um, I don't think she had a match on last week's show. Um, okay. Either way, there's just, there was no storyline. You know, that, that kind of, no. like, led to this. It was just, I, but I, like, I'm for it, because I think a, a more aggressive Natalia means a better, more exciting wrestling Natalia. That's fine. I, I guess I wish there was a bit more reason for it to just kind of really make me understand why she's a bit more aggressive. I thought they attempted a lot of inter- intricate sequences that, you know, maybe didn't land perfectly, but I, I at least appreciated the attempts. I don't think the crowd really got behind this maybe as much as you know the 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 match was designed to unfortunately but i enjoyed it i thought this was good wrestling i like the match yeah it was good um you know the crowd was to me they they got into that first segment but then it was kind of a struggle at different points during the show and it seemed 
they would get into like the finishes, but some of these lengthier matches, it was a bit tougher. I think it's it's almost like every Raw, isn't it? Like yeah. you know, when you when you buy a ticket to Raw, you're like, man, Raw! Oh my God! Like the, Steve Austin's gonna come out in the beer truck. Uh, you know, DX is gonna come down and tank. It's gonna be awesome. So you're excited for the first hour. You're thinking, wow, this is great. Look at this. This is wrestling, live wrestling, WWE, fireworks, amazing. And then you settle, and you realize this is just wrestling, and it's going to be another two hours or two and a half hours of this. So I thought it was. Then then you nod off to sleep. You wake up halfway through a promo, and you think you've missed New Year's. Yeah. Charlie interviewed Becky, and she asks Becky when the date of her rematch with Asuka is going to be, and she says it's the Royal Rumble on January 26th in Houston. And the reason for the match being set is that her contract is almost up, and she demanded that they give her Asuka before negotiations can even begin, and has learned that when you're the Golden Goose, you also get the Golden Handcuffs. And she is unsure if she can beat Asuka, but she's going to avenge that loss from last year's Royal Rumble. And this is kind of like a story that you'll get every now and then in MMA, where a fighter is going into the last fight of his contract and he's going to risk it because if he gets a big win and his contracts do, he's going to get maximum earnings. But if he loses, he's going to lose a ton of leverage. So I see that as kind of the influence for this story here with Becky and this contract story. Was that it? Cause like I, I took it more to be just like, you know, the current state of uh, professional wrestling uh, contract negotiation. And that I almost felt like it was like Becky saying that um, Tony Khan is, is, is the reason that we have this match between Becky and Oscar. Cause like, I thought she almost made it seem like she was saying that she was able to demand anything because her contract was about to come out. Well, yeah, they want to negotiate because she's the women's champion, and apparently WWE doesn't have the champion's clause where they can just hold on to you as long as you're champion. Does that actually exist? In in MMA, it does, absolutely. So in the UFC, if somebody's champion, they can, they can hold on to you forever? What do you mean? You still renegotiate. It's the champion's clause means that they you can't just become a free agent when you're the champion. That they have the right of first refusal, and that's um, that's that's one of the issues first, with first refusal, meaning like, like they can have an exclusive negotiating so you can period negotiate. with you. Right. It's okay. it's designed to protect the promoter, so that if you're the UFC heavyweight champion and you're in the last fight of your contract, you can't just fight it out and then jump to the next promotion as heavyweight champion. So you get the first chance to negotiate with with the champion. Yeah, it's but the champion can refuse your the the offer, of course, and go somewhere else. Uh we would have to look into you, this a bit deeper. But it's if you look up the champions clause, look look that up. It'll give you all the specifics. I'll do it. Later. It's a very restrictive part of UFC contracts. Yeah, that's strange. You know, I work so hard to achieve this pinnacle uh, of uh, you know this really tough achievement, and my award is that I get to be stuck in this relationship? Yes. Someone has a quote here from a contract that we'll assume is a UFC contract. If at the expiration of the term, 
fighter is then a UFC champion, the term shall automatically be extended for the period commencing on the termination date and ending on the latter of one year from the termination date or the date on which the fighter has participated in three bouts promoted by Zufa, regardless of weight class or title. So it's essentially like it rolls over for a period if you are champion is how I take that rolls over meaning like, but you don't you renegotiate? Don't you like get, get more money? Well, a lot of times what will happen is that if you, especially if you're a champion, if your contract is coming due, they're going to re up your deal in the middle of it. They don't want to be coming down. It's, it's rare now that you would have that where a champion's going into the last fight on his deal and they have to even get to that. It's in their best interest to keep that fighter happy and, but but it's there to protect the promoter so that they don't have a situation where they can just get held up. But can you imagine this conversation taking place on Raw? Well, that's that's what I thought they were kind of getting at here. That's kind of like the backstory. Oh my here. God, I I just I'm already lost. I I can't imagine on the same show where we had two first wives and two first husbands interrupting a segment that we would get that level of uh, legal speak. Liv Morgan promo. I thought here that I'd be transcribing these promos for a while, but maybe this is it. To be different, you can't just look different. You have to feel different. Someone once made me feel different, and then they took it away. The old me would have done something impulsive, but the new me is more methodical. I strike when I'm ready, and I think I'm ready. So say what you will, Way, about that last segment. There was some telegraphing. What? Okay. Someone made her feel different and then took it away. All right. So someone made someone as in her former lover made her feel different and then took it away. So they broke up with her. Um, so then why do they keep like showing clips of her as her old self? You know, like, the you know what hair? she do- should have done? She should have quoted uh, last Christmas. Why? Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, she was a week late for that. Um, but next time, maybe they could do it. Um, you know, listen, I, I, I was very complimentary of these. I thought these were great. I think they, they, they were intriguing. They were well shot. I think Lib Morgan comes across as really, really, uh, I don't know, fresh. And, and I think uh, with the, like, like she had something to say. Like, like they were cooking up something really interesting for this new character she was about to re-debut. So at least up until this point in time, I was still firmly on board, still pretty excited for what Lib Morgan was about to re-debut. I thought these vignettes were done pretty well. I thought her delivery was was good throughout these last few yes. weeks doing these. Like, yes. to me, it really did shed the old Lib Morgan character, like a very different delivery and setting us up for our big climax tonight. The OC are out. AJ showed footage of Gallows and Anderson beating the Viking Raiders two weeks ago, so they now have two wins over them, as well as last week's six-man tag where Orton's knee gave out and he got hit with the phenomenal forearm. And Anderson says that the Viking Raiders were unbeatable and they beat them. And the trophy proves they are the best team in the world. And they're about to challenge the Viking Raiders for a tag title match when they're interrupted by the Street Profits. And they say that they beat Gallows and Anderson on their Raw debut, which I think was in the summer. And Montez Ford asks, what does that mean? And my answer would be nothing because you guys got plowed by the champions in three minutes three weeks ago. But that was not brought up. 
Styles said they were just lucky and tells them to stick to their cute skits backstage or else they'll get hurt. Dawkins says, we're not afraid of you. You're named after a teen soap opera. And then they proceeded to sing and Gallows broke the news that this is not a high school musical. Yeah. Um, I think these dudes like um, are getting less and less cool each week. I thought I'm talking about the street profits, everybody. Um, I know. I, I thought their lines were just really lame. And I thought like that, you know, this was not I, their worst promo on the show. Well, I don't know. I don't know when exactly they started to start, but start becoming so uncool. I think it really hit a, like a, a peak for me with in that weekend update segment where just these punchlines were ter- like bad. Uh, I don't know who their target demographic is, but it certainly does not sound genuine coming from these guys. But it's continued now into their actual promos. I don't know who's writing these. I don't know how responsible they these two actually are for this material. But it's just it's just really uncool, and and that's a real shame because for a long, long time it felt like these two were kind of like the ones ushering in you know a voice for. Uh, a, a younger generation, a voice for a cool generation that, you know, Raw has been sorely lacking for a long time, but it just feels like they've just, ah, man, they're, they're about as corny as like, um, um, you know, really corny thing. <laughs> AJ trips uh, Dawkins. The, the tag match begins. AJ gets ejected. Then we had... Anderson apply a headlock to Ford. Gallus comes in and took over the headlock. We built up to a tag to Dawkins, who hit these twisting splashes to both. Anderson hit a spine buster. Ford hit a Topicon hero to the floor. Dawkins sky high on Anderson and Ford with a splash off the top, pinning Carl Anderson. 11 minutes, 38 seconds. All right. Yeah. Uh, I thought the best part of this match was when Ford did his uh, ultimate warrior rope shake. You and really didn't stop. Really committed to the rope shake. I think, um, you know, got people's attention. Everything else was fine. You know, Dawkins had a nice hot tag. Really bored by the OC, especially Luke Gallows. I mean, we saw, like, I know, like, the chin lock serves its purpose. And I'm sure there's a reason why they, they choose to use it so often in <laughs> WWE. Um, it's just For your much. entertainment. Yeah, I guess so. But there's just, like... Man, way too much of it. And I, I think it, it's always evident when you see who is so limited to be able to, you know, make a, do a variation of a rest spot, of a chin lock to, to keep you entertained. But Gallo is just like, like 50% of his match is this. I, I just, I think he kind of sucks. SmackDown promo. Uh, it's just built around The Fiend and Daniel Bryan, but not much announced for the show on Friday in Memphis. And then we go to the Street Profits backstage, and they beat the OC again, and they ask, does that make us the best team in the universe? So Angelo Dawkins says, what about in the multiverse? And Ford doesn't know what the multiverse is. Dawkins pauses, acknowledges to the camera he got dry throat momentarily, then picks up, and as he's explaining the multiverse, it was like the batteries burnt out in his back because he just powered down and stopped explaining and Ford just had to finish this and just totally dropped the subject and moved on to the Lana wedding 
and Dawkins ends by asking, where are my bridesmaids at? And I was asking, where are these writers at? Because this was absolutely awful. This was one of the worst segments this year. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Um, And I'm really sad, actually, that... This is one of the worst promos I have watched this year. I'm really sad that we pre-recorded our worst of this year because I feel like this episode of Raw... This would get some mentions. At the very least, honorable mentions. A bunch in a number of different categories. So um, anyway, please uh, just... Let's all just forget this. Everyone's going to focus on the wedding, but this this backstage promo was was oh yeah the god awful worst. You know, and, and to me, I felt it was pretty clear that it was Dawkins here who had a great deal of difficulty remembering this shit. Um, poor guy. Which I do, I do not blame the man. Oh, of course but not. Th- this or, was okay, brutal. Listen, listen, listen to his day. He had to prepare. For that amazing promo they cut before the match. Had to prepare for whatever they were going to do in the match itself. And then after the match, going backstage to remember this shit about the multiverse. Uh, I I just... It was, it was almost like they are testing him. You know? Like seeing how much this man can handle before he either uh, completely fails on live television. Or just has a mental breakdown. I can guarantee you that... If you just told these guys, hey, two minutes, you've got to hit on, make a joke, put over your match that you just beat the OC, and then I want you to talk about the bridesmaids. Can you do two minutes? I would have faith in these two that they'll get through two minutes. Because God knows oh, yeah. you couldn't risk having a disaster on live TV to just let them go for two minutes. These it could have been could- awful. These guys could do could could go for like two hours, John. Like if these two did a podcast for two hours, they it would be wildly entertaining. But like, you give them a script about um, what was the first thing he said? Uh, what was the first first uh, promo he cut? Uh, you're named after a teen soap opera, and uh, you know all this multiverse stuff or the weekend up. It's, I think maybe in a pre-taped segment backstage, you can kind of hide a lot of it. Maybe they would have a bit more time to work with it. This, I felt like, I don't know if it was shot live or, or probably shot with very little time to do a redo. Obviously, there's no, there's no up. way this could have been pre-taped. There's no way this could have seen the light of day if it was pre-taped. Oh, yeah, no, it was, it was terrible. I feel bad for them. Yo, this was a show, like, especially that wedding segment, whatever you want to say about wedding segments... They can be written very clever and have your laugh lines. And there were laugh lines designed that totally failed. Like, th- this was not a well-written show. And the comedy did not land in multiple, multiple segments on this show. I think it's, it, it is an episode that you can go back in, like, 10 years' time and laugh at how bad this was. So, in that sense, I think they nailed it. No, I can comedy. do that now. I can do it now. I don't need a decade. I can't right now, but maybe maybe next week. Right after I find out the first female of the th- of the 30s to enter the Royal Rumble, I can go back and rewatch this maybe. Yes. On December 30th. The 30s, that feels weird to say. Yep. Well, hope Man, we make we're it. We're in the 20s. Yeah. We're in the roaring 20s. Yeah, and then the dirty 30s are not that far away. That's really strange. Drew McIntyre came out, the sexy Scotsman. 
who's going to conduct a poll. <laughs> this was awesome. What the fuck was this? this was how, is he, how is he the sexy Scotsman now? Where did that come from? At no point, at no point in Drew McIntyre's return to the WWE has he emphasized his sexuality at all. He's never professed to be any sort of ladies' man. I've never even seen the man talk to a woman. Okay, he's been completely asexual in the WWE. And here he's promoting himself as a sexy Scotsman. Imagining them like remixing Sean's song for him, like I'm not your claymore. I'm just a sexy Scott. <laughs> Dude, I'm done. I'm done oh, with this I show. I'm just doing I this for your amusement crazy. here. This is where I go away. I'm trying to sing for you. He's not worried about Ryder or Hawkins, who he's going to be taking on two-on-one. So he's going to pull the crowd, and he says, first, raise your hand if you think I should be worried about these two. These two former tag team champions, and they go to this wide shot. There's one dude who puts his hand up. Nobody else. Then he pulls and says, who thinks Ryder and Hawkins should be extremely worried about me? Everyone puts their hands up. You may as well have just said geek one, geek two are in the ring ready for competition. And what happened? Drew murdered these two. Claymore, Future Shock DDT, and he wins in 50 seconds against Ryder and Hawkins. I'm not even complaining. This is how you get people over. But man, did they just make these baby faces look like utter jokes, which I guess is their role. And Drew, oh, yeah. oh, these Drew guys, is the guy you're pushing. It was just hilarious to watch. Like, they could not have made these two look more dumb. Well, these two, like, their role in the company is to be wrestling figure experts. So I don't, I don't know if you're losing all that much. Um, My it, question is: In what way is Drew McIntyre a heel? Well, he he thinks he he's, he literally uh, came out here for a babyface spot with this poll. Everyone's what? backing him, uh, and then he murders these guys. Like, why would I not cheer for this? He's dude? arrogant. He thinks he's he's so good. He he can beat these two people without even like you know questioning their the possibility that he might lose, and justifiably thinks- so. Okay, but that's still arrogant. It's still not a quality, uh, you know, that 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 uh, I would want. Like his mom would probably be proud of. I don't think his mom would be proud of that. I think I don't know if his mom would be proud of his son calling himself a sexy Scotsman either. So I think those are reasons why you probably shouldn't like him. But I don't have that much to complain about the squash itself. But it's just like this feels it's felt like a wildly different Drew McIntyre from than anything we've seen prior. Like it felt like it. It felt like he was. It was like a drunk Drew McIntyre. You know, he was like walking into a party. Usually you see him in a business attire, like in the in the office. Then at the, the New Year's party, like he's calling himself sexy. He's he's like taking polls from the audience. He's um he did a countdown before he hit the claymore. Do you see that? That's right. He did the, the countdown. He too thought it was New Year's. So it was really weird. It was like it, it was very out of character from him. And so I don't know, maybe like Maybe maybe backstage at Raw they actually celebrated New Year's and that's why everybody's confused. They announced that next week in Oklahoma City, it's the first Raw of 2020. Brock Lesnar will be on the show, plus two title matches, a rematch between Andrade and Rey Mysterio for the US title after Andrade won at Madison Square Garden last week, and the Viking Raiders versus Gallows and Anderson versus the Street Profits for the Raw tag titles. So I guess 
Remember that ruling that we don't get automatic rematches if you lose the title? I guess that's been ignored for Rey Mysterio. I mean, it's a case-by-case basis. Um, did they did they rule on this? Well, listen, this is like... Ray, Ray's had a healthy four-week title reign. He, he deserves it. Perhaps at a house show um, that was not televised or even, you know, maybe it took place behind closed doors. Rey Mysterio ran in at the very end of an hour-long gauntlet match and attacked, you know, somebody and just earned the shot that way. You have no idea. What do you see for Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble? Do you see anyone that is separating themselves that they are heating up for the Rumble? Brock Lesnar right now on Raw. Mm, Trying to think who's on this show. I mean, everybody's kind of tied up, you know. Um, Owens, Joe, Ray are tied up with... uh, um, Rollins. I would be surprised if it would be any of them. Yeah, for that very reason, that either all six of those guys will be in the Rumble or they'll be doing something at the Rumble. It would seem weird to break off any of them. Now you're not going to do Ray, obviously, and then Joe or Owens seem yeah like tied to another program. I mean, like really, who else is hot enough? You know, certainly like uh, what is it? Uh, uh with Alistair Black's too new for it. Can you possibly do like you know, sort of like a. What is it like a Rudy type of thing with uh what about the sexy Scott versus the sexy Brock? Um don't really see that happening, you know? Um don't really see that happening. Like but, you would um, assume it's a baby face. Yeah. That so, you prime for Brock. So I'm thinking could it be like somebody like a Ricochet or Humberto Carrillo that they'll just do oh, on a on a one off? Not after you know, tonight. Not after tonight maybe with Ricochet. Not after tonight, true. So yeah, who else could there be? I don't know. Like there was, I, I was expecting tonight with with Brock showing up next week that you'd be indicating someone. Like so, honestly, I, like Alistair Black to me was put over as much as anyone here on this show. I I, I don't know unless there's someone where Rusev? that's going to come out of left field. No, it's not Rusev. Rusev would would not seem like a pick at this point. You would think. Um. Maybe like like Drew, and, Drew and Alistair seem to be the ones that they're they're trying to put some steam behind. I mean, that seems evident, but I don't know. It's like there isn't that clear-cut direction. I think even if you're going with either of those, it's sort of a left-field pick to just shoot that angle next week. Well, they do Unless Brock's time. doing something different at the Rumble. Unless it's uh, not just a traditional one-on-one match that he's going to be involved in. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. He could, he could just show up and do commentary or dance or something. Yeah. Randy Orton comes out on crutches and he's being helped to the ring. He's not putting any weight on his left leg, which is all wrapped up. He says it ain't ballet injuries happen. And the men and women in the back, they're aware this can happen. And he has seen champions surrender their titles And he doesn't respect many people, but he does respect Edge. And he had to surrender his career due to injury. And no one wants to see that happen. And just says, I screwed up my leg last night. Something popped. And he goes to reveal what was found in his MRI. And he says that he's going to be out for a long time. And he might not be able to come back. But he's going to make sure someone gets RKO'd at WrestleMania. That's his promise. And I I wonder if no one came out here, what would he have done? 
Um, would he have just taken a few months off and just waited for someone to call him on it? It's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what? How is he so sure that this was going to play out the way it did? I mean, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. Maybe he would have had a backup plan. You know, it's like, someone's got to fuck with me. Anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so the deal was that. So they did this at the house show on on Sunday night where I guess I didn't see the specific spot, but it seemed to be he was going for the RKO and then he sells the knee, which is the same knee that he's been selling on TV the last few weeks. And then they call off the match on Sunday and I had heard on on uh, following the house show that he was fine. This was going to play into Raw on Monday night and that seemed to be the end result here, but I guess we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because AJ comes out and he just starts getting into Orton's face and he's kind of annoyed that he's got to wait to face this guy until WrestleMania. And he asks if Randy's mad. He eggs him on knowing Randy can't do anything. And then he plays the, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. As he puts his hand in front of Orton's face. And then he, I think he and buddy Murphy would have a hell of a, Saturday night together. Man, just just imagine the the joining of this guy saying, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, with Brian and Miz. Well, I hate you more. I hate you more. I hate you more. Sounds like a great wrestling program. This is awesome stuff. Orton warns him not to do it again. And then Styles says he's going to put his arms behind his back. And then he closes his eyes just waiting for the Viper to strike, but nothing happens. So AJ finally says he's just going to wait until WrestleMania to put him in the calf crusher and retire him. And this did generate some chance of AJ sucks. And then at the end, Randy calls him back and says, the difference between me and you is that you're patient and I'm not. And boom, he hits him with the RKO, jumps up and down. The knee's fine. It's like Shawn Michaels doing a moonsault off the top turnbuckle in 1997. And this got over with the crowd. They they really got into this. Um, and obviously, like, they were playing off of, you know, prior serious segments like Edge and Daniel Bryan teasing uh, a big announcement on the show that they were doing for Maximum Heat here. What did you think of this segment? Well, I, I should mention that because I am a reader of postwrestling.com, I, I was aware that this was not a real injury. Um, so that perhaps played a part in how I felt about the segment. <laughs> the guy also was completely just gave up the idea of like removing weight from his left, like the way down to the ring, he doesn't touch the ramp with his left foot. And then by the AJ promo, he's just standing there in the ring on his crutches. Well, my, yeah. My girlfriend's a physiotherapist and I think there is a real intricate art to looking convincing walking on crutches that I don't know how many people understand. You know, a lot of people just like wear like have the, like, I don't even know if, I don't even think you're supposed to put, like, you're not even supposed to put the crutch on the other side. Like, not, anyway, whatever. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but I, 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 I thought the idea was interesting, but I have such a high standard for, I think, this type of thing now, because I think if you're going to go into this realm to try to trick people into thinking you might be retiring, you're really like, you know... Like it's a bit of a ballsy move, I would say, because you're you're playing with people's real emotions after seeing some very real, memorable, very sad retirements. 
So I think if you're going to attempt it, it better be as good or at least near the level of uh, execution of what somebody like Mark Henry was able to do. I was going to say that, like, to me, Randy Orton's like delivery left a lot to be desired. Like this was not real to him. And he Mm. was I, I didn't think it was conjuring any kind of emotion that was leading you in that direction. Yeah, like I need to be seeing tears, you know. I I I I think because those real moments and also even the fake moments that were attempting to be real have set the standard so high. Orton in in comparison felt very really unconvinc in unconvincing to me. Um so yeah, it was just a segment. You know, I can't def, def I can definitely not disagree that by the end of the segment the crowd really got into it. They um, it did work by the end. And I I I applaud the effort and with Andrade 2 of doing two notable things on house shows that played into TV yes, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a, seems to be a new trend, putting some emphasis on house shows to make you think that they're actually important and will have some weight on TV. There, there's no reason that instead of doing those earlier today segments that might set up a match, mm-hmm. do something at the house show and just show something and just explain this is what happened uh, last night in... Hershey, Pennsylvania, and now we've got a match tonight. This is the reason why. And you can do a lot of that, and it's not a whole lot of extra work either. And it just replaces shooting stuff earlier in the day, and it puts a bit of a spotlight on your house shows that it's not going to turn house show business around, but it's it's they exist now. They exist in television, and you go to a show, there is something that there may be an angle that sets up something for Raw. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's... It's also such a challenge, though. You know, I really do kind of feel for for the crew sometimes when they have to like write three hours of TV. Now they got to write stuff for house shows as well. But it's a lot. And what is this priority? Like house shows, are they your number one priority? To obviously, you you know, house shows are at a point now where you know, there's we've seen quarters now. They don't make money. W- what is the investment of putting all this these resources into turning house shows around to where? You know, they're semi profitable. Like is how big is house show house shows to your business? Not a whole lot in two thousand twenty. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, you have to manage accordingly what is the most uh, pressing issues. But uh wh- what do you see do you see this as uh a Royal Rumble match between these two? Because yeah. God knows they're not dragging it out to WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean we also just had it last year at Mania, so I, I think it's a rumble match. If not a rumble interaction, I mean, I think at this point with four weeks out, it'll probably be a match. Yeah. And they'll have a very good match, I think, as well. So they that means they will have two stadium matches within a year. Okay. Great. Mania and, and the Rumble. So I don't know if that's a big feat, but apparently two, two, announcing yourself into a 30-man battle royal or 30-woman battle royal is a feat. So I yeah. guess two stadium shows should apply as well. Two stadiums in two decades. Look at that. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Uh, they showed a promo of Ray. This was backstage after the house show at Madison Square Garden. Andrade was the better man, but he's looking forward to his rematch. And he warns Seth and AOP that he didn't start this, but he promises to be standing tall at the end. And that's notable because they are giving the storyline credit to Rollins and AOP's beatdown on Raw last week for weakening Ray. And he went into the Andrade match less than 100%. So you can transfer some of that onto. Uh, Rollins and AOP and Segway Ray over there, which I would imagine means those three get involved in this U.S. title match. And that kind of marries Ray to that six man program. Yes, yes. 
at what point do you think the decision might have been made to do the title swap on on a house show? Um, I'm sure I'm sure it was something that they had in mind. I'm sure sh- this I don't was think- always a plan when Ray won the belt. Oh, when he won the belt, that was a month ago. I doubt they were planning the exit date uh, a month out. But I would imagine within the last week to 10 days, they figured that would be, well, why don't we do a, a title change on a house show? Yeah, yeah. So maybe the idea that you're pivoting Ray to something with uh, AOP and therefore maybe he doesn't need the belt and so put it on Drade, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and Andrade, you have the natural program with uh, Umberto Carrillo. Yeah. Uh, they announced uh, Roman Reigns and Dolph Ziggler that they taped on Friday. That will be airing on New Year's Eve on Fox. Guess your plans are set? Yeah, I'm not going to Japan, John. I'm um, staying here so I can watch Dolph Ziggler versus Roman Reigns. Well, you can do both. Um. No Our flight is until the following morning. No, I'm just going to cancel the entire trip. I think I'm going to rewatch the match for three weeks. Okay. Well, report back to us. Andrade took on the mystery man and Zelina Vega removed the padding on the floor. So she wanted Andrade to hit the hammerlock DDT just as he did Umberto Carrillo. But Ricochet runs down to stop him. And this mystery man is tended to by his buddy Ricochet. And then Ricochet grabs his uh, fierce rival. A microphone. No, 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 no. It's not going to go down like that. You injured Umberto Carrillo and then did it to the legend we know as Rey Mysterio. And he proceeded to challenge him to a fight. And Andrade said, yes. And Ricochet said, okay. Fight. Um, This is where Arn, Arn Anderson, dude. Has been backstage in WWE for all those years. This is where Arn Anderson could have been utilized. Perhaps. Ar- Arn and Ricochet. Um, it would have been interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Oh, set, set up Ricochet and Daniel Tosh for WrestleMania with Arn in the corner, cutting the promos. Well, that would be an interesting match. Um, so a lot of uh, directions you could have gone with Ricochet. Yeah. This finisher, the, the hip Tosh. Okay, moving on. Andrade and Ricochet, uh, you know, uh, not a very energetic crowd for this. I think this was late in the show. Mm-hmm. They had a wedding to attend on top of it. Who knows how long that would go. Uh, Vega, Zelina Vega removes the padding yet again, and Andrade goes to the floor. He gets hit with a beautiful-looking Fosbury flop from Ricochet, and Andrade's attacking the ribs. He goes for the hammerlock DDT on the cement. Ricochet stops it, but then he gets back body dropped onto the cement. We go to commercial break and we come back and Ricochet's in a headlock and then makes his comeback. Man, uh, his spine is recovered. Hits a standing shooting star press, which I, I took a spill on the, on the, uh, on the, my sidewalk on the ice. And then I got up and I, (laughs) I, I thought my back was broken. But then I just uh, I ran and did a standing shooting star. I was fine. If you're suggesting that you're a, an athlete anywhere near the level of Ricochet, come on. These are superstars. They have special recuperative powers. Is that how it works? That's the power of cement. He's a superhero, man. Okay. So Umberto's disappeared for two weeks from, I guess, I guess the DDT, you don't have the same recuperative powers as you do a back body drop onto the cement. Um, 
It's just a bit different. It's a, it's a difference of like weeks. Yeah. Uh, the ripcord recoil is avoided by Andrade, who hits his spinning elbow, and then Ricochet hits this twisting vertical suplex, climbs to the top. Zelina Vega shoves Ricochet off the top. He is not able to recuperate because he's then hit with the hammerlock DDT, and Andrade pins Ricochet in 11 minutes and 12 seconds. So I would imagine this is building to Ricochet versus Zelina Vega at the Rumble. Uh, at this point, you know, they're running out of like baby faces and heels, so why not get to some intergender matches, freshen things up? Brock Lesnar, uh, Liv Morgan, you know, I think that would be a really fresh matchup. Brock hasn't done that before, so yeah, open it up. I thought this was like, I think this was a really good match. I can't say for sure because I, I really just found myself pretty, feeling pretty impatient by this, by this point in the show. Um, again, it, it just got to the point where they were doing all these kickouts and I just found myself disappointed in every single one. So admittedly, I, I was not really in the right state of mind to enjoy the match. I think if you watch the match on its own, I think you'll really like this match. It looked like it had the it had the shape of a really good wrestling match. It had like the formula of a really good wrestling match. But I think if you watch it in the third hour of a three hour raw right before New Year's Eve, I, I just didn't have any patience to really enjoy it. So unfortunately, I kind of found myself just wanting it to end. Yeah, difficult spot, not a hot crowd. You had the, a commercial interruption in there as well um, that, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure these guys uninterrupted at a different point, it's it comes across better. But this was not a big standout to me on the show. So now we uh, transform the ring into our makeshift chapel. As we get set for the wedding, Lawler informs Vic he gets very emotional at weddings. He cried at all three of his the ring is all decorated. The crowd boos the introduction by the, uh, the the guy overseeing this whole thing. What do we call him? The, the minister. Pastor, the minister. And they show all the seats that are empty on the on the on the on the stage. And Lashley comes out in his sleeveless jacket with no shirt. Lana comes out. There's one dude screaming puppies over and over. And then we throw to the break with the promise of the wedding of the decade when we return. The crowd is booing this thing. There's a gigantic cake that I think everybody figured out was what was going to be hiding inside of that. And the guy goes to go through their wedding vows. He mentions the idea of them having kids and Lana cuts that off. She doesn't want any monster children and tells the the minister to follow the script only read what she gave him. So very indoctrinated into this WWE system. Hmm. Lashley just wants to continue. There's a Rusev Day chant. And amazingly, all these fans suddenly had Rusev Day signs out of nowhere. They have written their own vows way. Lana is yelling for the crowd to shut up. She says it's her day. It's all about her. And she proceeds to tell Bobby that this is the luckiest day of his life. He is marrying the greatest WWE star of all time. The greatest woman that has ever lived. And the greatest gift that Bobby can give to himself is her. She fails to start a chant of Lana Day, which was met with booze. I think everyone was requesting booze at this point. They're only 25 hours away from the greatest new decade, whatever the hell that means. And everything that Bobby has worked for in his life has led up to this moment, with which is a very, very sobering thought if you reach the booze. 
This is the greatest moment of his career, his life, and his manhood. And she just wants to make love to him right now. So she jumps on top of him. They're making out. And then the minister tells Bobby, thank you for your restraint. Man, and- like right right as they're like uh, parting away, you can hear Bobby yell or say to her, wipe your teeth. And, and the reason why he said it was because after they parted ways, both of their makeup oh, man. just was just caked on one another's face like there lana. was so much makeup on these two and lana looks like like someone she drove like, over her face with oh, a golf cart or something she looked like pig pen <laughs> like you know with like just like it looked like she had dirt on on her face and and lastly too like had all this like powder like or whatever found well, foundation whatever it was just like i mean in 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 many ways I think it added to the segment because it just like made these two look like that much more of a mess, which I mean, the segment was clearly designed to be perfect metaphor. Lana has written out her vows. She pulls them out. She says that Bobby is the luckiest man on the face of the planet. There's what chance Lana again has the makeup all over her face. Jerry Lawler's making fun of it. This thing is just off the rails. Then Bobby has the exact same vows that he's reading They exchange their rings. Lana cuts it short. I'm watching the clock here because this is like two minutes to the top of the hour. Uh, Thankfully, this was the week that USA Network and WWE said, you know what? 180 minutes. Who can contain this? We just have to go over. And boy, did they ever. The minister asks if anyone objects and some dude walks out that not a person in this planet is aware of he calls this a sham and he reveals he is lana's first husband you would think that this is some big dramatic reveal and you get the big ooh from the crowd there was none of that it was just what the hell is this they got married when she was 18 then left him for that son of a bitch rusev and now he she's gonna leave rusev for this son of a bitch lana tells him to leave lashley chokeslams him They're about to be pronounced husband and wife when a woman comes out who is from Bobby's past when they met in the military. Lana attacks her. And then the third objection is the return of Liv Morgan. She came out. She was so distressed that she was only wearing half of her outfit because half of it had been torn off. She says that the love of her life is right there in front of her. And I think everyone is knowing where where this is headed. She would not have made it through this year if it weren't for their love. And she came to WWE as a lost soul, hoping her dreams would come true. And she didn't know she could be herself until they met and fell in love. How could you do this to me? And Lashley says, I've never touched that woman in my life. Liv says, I'm not talking about you, Bobby. The crowd is chanting, Jerry. She says, I'm talking about Lana. Lana's crying. She then slaps Liv, attacks her. We get the bigger return. It's Mitch, the plastic potted plant. And Liv gets dragged away screaming. The minister tries to finish this with the eloquent back and forth exchange of man. Yes, man, woman. Yes, good. I now pronounce you. And then Rusev explodes out of the cake and he attacks Lashley. Liv returns, sends Lon into the cake. Rusev and Liv stand in the ring as the show ends. It's like 85 past the hour. And this goes down as one of the worst segments 
in raw history. Um, I agree. Uh, I mean, listen, I need you. You need perspective. You know, much I have like, enough. Much like, much like, you know, and like, uh, Kenny Omega uh, wrestled uh, Kazuchika Okada. Oh, the greatest match ever! I you can't really say that. Maybe until you're separated from a few days from it. So I can't really say that just yet. But it certainly is in contention. If I had to like star rate it, it would definitely be like a negative, like pl- negative five plus on the scale of terrible raw segments. But <laughs> it's what they were going for, you know. They, like you knew this this train wreck of a of an angle was going to have some sort of culmination, um, you know, in a wedding. And of course, the wedding is going to be even worse than exactly what what you, what took place before. So I I can't exactly like say that I'm surprised. Uh, or even disappointed because I don't. I don't. You can't really. I'm disappointed. Be, at least with this segment, mm, it should be. You can't be well written. There should be. Mm, fu- there, you, there should be laugh out loud lines. It can't be disappointed in something that has already been disappointing this whole time. It's it, you knew it was going to suck, and it sucked. I suppose even more than you thought it was going to suck. So I, I think if I was going to be disappointed in something it would be how they use Liv morgan here like i said earlier i i had high hopes you know i i I was like okay what kind of new character is she going to debut uh how is she going to maybe kind of make her what's going to make her a bit more serious and fresh in the in the in the women's division it turns out they're just you know using her as sort of an accessory to this bobby lashley lana rusev storyline as lana's lesbian lover that was the big makeover that they decided to give her which um, I think is a terrible waste. I think it's a terrible waste of the film that they use for those uh, video segments. Terrible waste of, I think, Lib Morgan's performances and the writing of those segments. I thought I think those teasers have been done really well. So for it all to culminate in this, whatever this is supposed to be, is, is she going to be paired with, like, Rusev right now? That is what I'm most disappointed by. Like, but God, like, you have to understand where I was coming from. You know how I felt during that Andrade Ricochet match. Like that's that's a great match, but I had no patience for it because I was like I was running late to record with you, John. I like I'm a year apart from New Year's. I'm about to go to Japan. I want to be done with this shit. And then they dropped this bomb that just kept going on and on and on past eleven. I'm like counting the time. Oh, at least it's only got two minutes left. It just kept going on and on and on. And then it's like one uh ex-husband and then another ex-wife and then another and then rusev finally comes out so it was just a non-stop barrage uh that really tested my limits i would say um to close out a full year of wwe raw viewership in 2019 so the decade began with Bret Hart walking out on Raw for the first time in 13 years, and it ended with Rusev and Liv Morgan. Book ended. Yeah, there's your trivia note. So you, it was just like, I, I just, I can't really describe how this final like hour of the show made me feel. It's, it's almost like, it's something special, you know. It, um, I, I would very much classify, I think, what you and I do as almost like, um, at, at, at points, just a, an act of endurance. And, uh, you know, at other times, just maybe more so like a biological experiment. And I, I feel like I had new, new um, maybe new discoveries 
about how a pro wrestling show could make me physically feel after tonight. At 11.12 p.m., as Rob was uh, ending this segment, Sonia Deville, Welp, my mind is blowing. About 15 minutes later, Mandy Rose, no words. Sonia Deville, I know, my friend, I know. Yeah, of course. It's like, you know, I think at a time when they're trying to parade, you know, Sonya Deville on Total Divas as, uh, you know, finally, like WWE has come to the 21st century uh, as it as it relates to, you know, uh, LGBTQ stories. Um, this just feels like it's a regression back to the the, the the '90s and HLA and all that stuff. So all that stuff is is I would say part of the part of the um, the hysteria that I think I'm feeling coming out of this raw. Let's get some feedback and then we're going to uh, finish up this show. What did you think of tonight's raw? Way I am asking you, what would you vote this raw? Ooh. What did I like about it? Okay, how about it? How about that? Black and Murphy, the opening that was segment. Great. Yep. Um, there was some good wrestling on this show. Charlotte, yeah, and Charlotte Natalia. Natalia, that was good. I think uh, like an hour like into it, I was like fine. Like Becky Lynch, all that stuff was fine. It was good. Even I would uh, say like the first hour fifteen, I really had minimal, if any, complaints. I'm gonna say uh, three. A four point three two. This show gets. So that's how we are closing out the year with Raw. Paul from New Jersey writes, The first hour of this show was very good, but I felt it dropped off from there. I enjoyed Owens and Joe and Murphy Black was outstanding. Charlotte and Natalia went on forever. Was not very good. The crowd felt completely dead for that one. The Street Profits multiverse promo was horrendous. Really hope they don't miss miss with these guys. Randy Orton sounded terrific and had me believing he was truly injured. I also really enjoy when Drew McIntyre cuts the type of promos that he cut tonight. Definitely has a babyface run in him. DVR cut off the wedding, but I'm sure it was well re, re- well recurved by all. I don't know what he means. I think he means recurved. received, but received would be, um, or of course, yes. You know, you owe it to yourself, Paul. I know you're you're very. Uh, um, thank you for leaving feedback every single week. I think in order to complete your viewing and your assessment of Raw, you owe it to yourself to see the rest of this show. Just you know, just to join. Noah from Vaughn says that wedding segment was awful. Crowd was chanting Jerry in reference to Jerry Springer. Just so embarrassing. New contender for worst segment of the year. And this was the reason that they had live off of TV for half a year. Just brutal. But aside from this show, I just wanted to thank you all for the shows you guys did this year. Really great to listen to on the subway rides to school. Hope you guys enjoyed Japan. I was there a couple of years ago and can't wait to go back. Happy New Year. Thanks, Noah. Charlotte says thank you. McGuire, incredible match between Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black. It's a shame one of them had to lose, but hopefully they can get both of these guys into new programs. ASAP would love to see Aleister go after the United States title against Andrade. Eric Rowan's squashes have been predictable and boring for weeks now. It's time to find something more substantial for him. Ricochet appears to have lost all the steam he gained over the summer, and now he's taking bumps on concrete while tumbleweeds blow by. Where does he go from here? Finally, I've got a feeling the Viking Raiders drop the belts next week. It seems like the fans never fully bought into the LARPing gimmick, and it might be time to give the Street Profits a run with the titles, says a 5 out of 10 show. Brandon from Oshawa. I bet half or more of that crowd had no clue that was Liv in the wedding. I thought they might have some, They might have something actually interesting for her. 
Rusev, Owens, and Joe are stars on this show. I hope that they have something significant for WrestleMania because they are over huge. Do you guys have a favorite wedding from years past? Um, I like the Billy and Chuck wedding. Well, you, you know like what the, the awesome one was when um, um, uh, Pepper Parks and Allie, Allie. That's how it ended. It ended with the two of them. That that was on Impact a few years ago. That that wedding was fantastic. It was very good. All right. Let's go to Anthony from Melbourne. I thought I would take a rare chance to watch the show almost live as part of my New Year's Eve, but maybe I should have started drinking early and parts of the show may have actually made sense. I knew something was fishy with the Orton segment just 24 hours after the injury. Why the rush to have him come out? Struggling so hard to get into the ring. Then the inconsistencies and saying he wouldn't know when he would be back, but being at Mania really confused things. I stuck with it because no way the babyface would go to all this effort just to catch the heel off guard and give a single RKO, something he does every week, right? Wrong. So nonsensical. Then Liv has a great spot in her vignette where she says she was emotional and reactive, but now she will be calculated. So what does she do? Interrupt the wedding while crying and getting into a fight with her lover. Seems there was an overrun tonight for the first time in a long time. And says, I assume due to the holiday season, they could get away with it. I mean, I don't think they don't have to move heaven and earth to do an overrun. It's um, there just really isn't the need for it uh, any longer to when you have the third hour of raw, that is your lowest viewed hour by a noticeable amount every week extending it by 10 minutes of your lowest watched hour it's going to drag the whole average down so to do an overrun actually does the exact opposite of what it was there to do initially where that was your peak moment of the show and you'd get that extra couple of minutes that would build up the whole average so i guess tonight they felt that there was be so much interest in this wedding everyone will be tuning in that it's good that it would be a big deal and we'll find out when the number comes out. But he gives the show 3 out of 10. We've got a Nas from New York who says, I'm sorry, but I'm not even embarrassed to say that I laughed through that entire wedding segment. <laughs> he wrote, ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, I guess this I is, thank you. I guess this is dragging on. The Jerry Springer chants in Connecticut were appropriate. Black versus Murphy was simply awesome. The mid card on Raw is so, so strong. It's such a stacked male roster. I hope they give storylines to everyone instead of being a jobber fest. Randy Orton genuinely had me. And then that happened. So he truly did bank on AJ coming out. What if AJ didn't come out? He would have duped and the crowd left. Any word on the Usos? Uh, for, for nothing on the Usos. I mean, Jimmy had his, had his court date and he was found not guilty. So in theory, that's now behind him. So if, there, if that was the hang-up, then you, you would think he'd things would be open now for, for them to return, but we'll see. There's been no, no hint at it yet. Uh, we go to Nick from Lansing. Nobody speaks quite as passionately in WWE as Samoa Joe, and it's refreshing to see that sort of energy in a babyface. The idea of him working together with Owens to fight against Seth and the AOP has me salivating. Let's hope they don't continue being arrested every other week by contrived booking. Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black continue to exceed, continue to exceed already outrageously high expectations. I don't know if a natty heel turn was something I wanted, but if it leads to more competitive matches, I'll hold off on complaining for now. Andrade and Ricochet had a good match that held my attention, which in the third hour is not easy to do. I can't believe the Lana and Lashley segment got over runtime just so we could get a series of run-ins. When that last blonde woman walked out and vaguely talked about love and discovery, I sank and felt like we were minutes away from cheap HLA, and I didn't realize that was live until I checked Twitter. 
How is it they have Sonia Deville in their company and will barely acknowledge her sexuality? But uh, they're willing. That's not true at all. They no, have. Th- they 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 have Sonia Deville's sexuality as part of her SmackDown facts as she's making her entrance. That's right. They do put up the fact uh, in her little video screen when she walks down. He calls this the worst segment of the year. I, su- I hope somehow Rusev and Liv can do something, do some of the heavy lifting for this story down the road. Oh God. Oh man. Okay. I'm just I'm just trying to think about like how much time I have before I have to revisit the storyline again and that it's it's going to now continue with Rusev and Liv Morgan somehow as some sort of team. Um Well next week whatever. we're gonna drag WH Park to watch Raw, maybe. Oh god. Okay. All right. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. And, and then the following week you have off, so you're you're gonna get this out of your system and then have a bit of a break. I think the I wish WH would have watched this show. Like that would have been. There's no way he would have made it. He he would have watched Black and Murphy, but no. I, I think I I think he would have been out. Maybe by we'll have a raw in. viewing party in Japan. Yeah, Tuesday mornings at our hotel room. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Because be Raw's going to be on at like uh, ten in the morning on Tuesdays. What better way to wake up? What <laughs> oh, better get, reason? Get some coffee. To wake up. Yeah. All right. I'm all in. It's it's going to be easier to watch. I, I would much rather watch it at uh it's at that time of the day. However, if I'm in Japan, I don't know if I want to be in my hotel room watching Raw for two hours, even on multiple times of speed. It sort of is the tough toughest part of it. All right, we got to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, so the closing angle certainly had some goofiness and obviously had Paul Heyman's fingerprints all over it. I've heard of bookers reusing their old stuff, but that was ridiculous. I'm surprised Lashley didn't say he would take them both because he's hardcore. One kind of fucked up part about that was seeing our first bit of LGBTQ domestic violence on screen. I feel that Heyman and anyone around him possibly didn't quite get that. It also reminded me of when Lashley was arrested for bumping into that cop a few weeks back. People talk about how representation matters and they definitely didn't have anyone to say that this doesn't have a good look to it. I'm glad Liv Morgan also got to come back. Though as said above, there's a chance a bunch of people didn't know who she was. There was a lot wrong with this segment. Uh, Brian from New York. He says, uh, I know what you're all thinking. Rusev jumping out of the cake a few seconds early really messed up that perfect wedding segment. Okay, maybe not. On a different note, between the hand raising and counting down, it sure seems like they're lining up Drew McIntyre for a face turn and a match against Lesnar. Would you guys prefer they go to that immediately at the Rumble or have him win the Rumble and let that be the Mania match? While Drew has been on the back burner for a long time, it would be refreshing to see them put someone just outside of the main event picture over Brock for once instead of the same small pool of retreads. Did uh, that feel like a babyface turn today? Like, did that feel like a babyface thing today? No, it did not. Right. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, Drew versus Brock, you know, I think is definitely a good match. But I, unfortunately, I, I don't see a positive outcome for Drew in that one. So I don't know if they would necessarily book it. Nor do I know if he's... I don't think he's nearly hot enough or focused upon enough to, to be a contender to win the Rumble. That match happens today. It's they, They'd really have to work hard to get that match over because I think the crowd would be very indifferent to that match. You haven't done a whole lot with Drew. Uh, not so much that they've harmed him, but they also haven't enhanced him either. No, he's just kind of this this mold of clay that I think people <laughs> don't can't can't really give you more than one line about this guy. Like, I don't think you could, there's no depth to this character. There's nothing that people know about him that there is any kind of, kind of a emotional yeah. reaction to when he comes out. Okay. My turn. Yes. 
We got a Liam from Brighton who says, This is my first post on the forum and I'm lost for words having that ending. No, seriously. I've typed and deleted over and over because I couldn't face it. I expected Eric Bischoff to rip off the latex mask off the minister and declare HLA, HLA. That said, I'd have taken Billy and Chuck's wedding over this in 2020. What the hell am I doing with my life? It's 4.45 a.m. in the UK. There must be more to life than these shows. I've just put myself through this, that horrendous finish, and I have to dress up as a pirate for a night out until roughly the same time tomorrow. I have one friend who, like I, watches roughly every other week, fortnightly as we say. Miraculously, we both have girlfriends. No doubt we'll both be finding the corner of shame in the smoking area to discuss this abomination when we're thoroughly braided tomorrow night. Then, we can be interrupted and pretend we were talking about sheds. Oh, to be an adult watching this. Five Joe sweat drips out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, remember that um, wedding in 2002 where Billy and Chuck not only were just, about to be married. just brought it up. Yeah. But they, the culmination of that was them declaring, no, 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 we're, we're straight. We're straight. Well, that was pretty bad. I thought I thought the Eric Bischoff mask reveal face reveal was pretty cool though. That what that reveal was great. That was like the I best part. Of- me. Oh my god! They made fun of that on Howard Stern for like weeks. It became like a meme on Howard Stern. Oh, that was that was a great Bischoff role. But man, they got a lot of heat, like from Glad, who had endorsed this storyline and then got totally burned at the end when the. No, no, no. We're we're not gay. Well, listen. It's twenty years later. I think the WWE will ha- has has made great strides. So I think Glad can feel free to you know make that call and try to rekindle that relationship now. All right. Well, everybody, Rewind a Raw has come to an end. Way Way needs to decompress from this. But this is our last show before uh, heading off to Japan. It, it was a great first Rewind a Raw of the decade. <laughs> yes. Um, sure. First, first one of the decade, I guess, if we're going by the, by this, uh, by this in the, the multiverse, Char- the yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, best of show drops on Tuesday for patrons Thursday for everybody else. And now, a God, God help me this flight. If you hear from me again, it means I made it. <laughs>